Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. All right, let's see here. It is uh, Sunday, July 2nd. First day of first Sunday of the month, and it's time for the prophecy update of the week. And um, the web guy, Mike, asked me to let you know. He said some of our audio is not up on the podcast or iTunes yet, but they can still be found by going to the Superior Word website. Go to sermons, podcasts, and then audio all, and then just go to the file you want to download for free. And uh, all the audio is up under sermons, podcast files, audio all. And But all of it is not yet up on iTunes, okay? So uh, he wanted me to let you know that you can still find it if you search under audio all. But I don't understand all that. But um, he wanted me to let you know that everything is on the Superior Word website, but they're still working on getting them on iTunes. So the Bible studies? Are they, what do you, what do you everything. Everything we do. The sermons, the prophecy updates, the Bible studies. But uh, those ones in particular, the Bible studies from Thursday night are, I think, what he's referring to. And speaking of the Thursday night Bible study, for the people that are uh, watching, um, our Bible study this past Thursday night, it is online, it's right there on the Superior Word um, YouTube channel, and it deals with um, baptism. Okay, we went through Romans 6, uh, 1 and 2, and then we stopped and we talked about baptism. And if you have any questions about, is baptism required for salvation? What is it saying in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up and talks to the people of Israel about baptism? And what is, uh, what, how does that point to the Holy Spirit? Okay, what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? All of these things we talk about, and it is something that, you know, it wasn't me that thought of this. It was Bob that said I watched on Thursday night, and he said everybody should watch that. So uh, because he said that, I'll repeat it, is that uh, if you are unsure about these things or if you think you know about these things, you may not. And uh, it's on the blackboard. I write it all out very clearly so you can see it, and I would hope that you would take the time and uh, skip one prophecy update this week, and uh, out of the hundreds that you watch, and watch something of uh, value from the Bible, and uh, that would be the uh, uh, doctrine of baptism. For right now, this past Thursday, please watch that. It's Romans six one and two, I believe, and, um, and so I recommend that. And I have somebody to highlight, as always, is uh, Will Schmidt and his wife Annette. Uh, they're uh, from a small suburb of Sydney called Abbotsbury. And uh, we back onto a city farm called Calmsley Hill Farm, where I work part-time as a cleaner, one to two hours every day except Sunday. And it sounds like me, because I work one to two hours every single day of the week cleaning, you know, uh, the mall, the 7-Eleven, and all the take out the trash. So he and I have got something in common, with the exception of Sunday. Um, This farm is a working show farm for families and for kids on school excursions to show them that milk does not originally come in cartons. (laughs) The farm is also sheep shearing shows, sheep rounding up displays by our dogs, barbecues, a baby animal petting hall, whip cracking shows. You know, mentioning whip cracking shows, do you know where the term cracker comes from in Florida? If you're a Florida cracker, I've been here for 50 years and I'm a cracker. It's, it is, yes, it's from the cattle drives, the people bringing their cattle south in, uh, from the north and uh, 
you know, uh, whatever you call it, homesteading Florida, they would crack their whips to bring their cows down, and then they continued to do that. As, and do you know that Florida is the largest cow-producing state in the country? Most people don't know that. You think of Texas or Montana. It's Florida. But, yeah, so we would be crackers because we've been here since, you know, many, many years ago. But uh, they have cracking shows. They've got tractor rides and a myriad of animals on display, either in pens or running free, such as ducks, koalas, pigs, kangaroos, goats, peacocks, wombats, lizards, Abbotsbury, Australia. Uh, Lizards and snakes, to name just a few. God bless you, your wife, and all of your parishioners, he says. So we send our love all the way over to Abbotsbury, which is a suburb southwest of Sydney. And that wonderful stuff. Um, our first category today is Israel. And from Ynet, I'm going to go through the same category through all of our articles, except, yeah, even the last one, I believe. And there's a reason why. If people say, well, that's not important. I got to tell you, what's happening with this issue is about as important as anything that's affected Israel lately. And so I, I hope that you will pay attention because this is something that has been a thorn in Israel's side now for the past 50 or more years, actually longer than that. And uh, it's just one way of their enemies of getting a hold of them and making them do things that they shouldn't have to do. From Wynet, Hamas warns cutting electricity to Gaza would be catastrophic. Now, we've gone through this. We've talked about the electricity problems over there. And what I've done is I've taken a month's worth of articles in order, and I'm showing you the progression of thought of what's going on because it eventually gets to the U.N., Palestinian President Abbas states his government will no longer pay for Gaza's electricity. He's the Palestinians. You've got the Hamas over here. They're supposedly arguing and they're causing this, this, this problem over in Gaza, forcing Israel to choose between siding with Hamas or risking a humanitarian crisis. Gaza's two million residents are already only receiving three to four hours of electricity a day. Okay, so we're not going to pay for this anymore. So who's going to pay for it? Or is Israel just going to have to pick up the tab? Or are they going to uh, not do it? And then suddenly the whole world says Israel isn't giving them power, which isn't their responsibility in the first place. Here we go. Telegraph. Israel cuts Gaza electricity after Palestinian president says he will no longer pay the bill for Hamas. Why should Israel pay for their electricity when we'll go on? (coughs) Why not? Gaza Electricity Company. Egypt announced that it would cut off electricity to the Gaza Strip. Well, you get power from Egypt, you get power from Israel, and now they're not getting anything as of a couple of weeks ago. The Electric Corporation in the Gaza Strip says that the Egyptian electric company has informed them that it will disconnect all electricity lines to the Gaza Strip. So if they don't have any fuel in their power plant in Gaza, they don't have any power coming in at this time. It's changed, but to follow the progression <clears throat> from the times of Israel. Palestinians say Netanyahu, not Abbas, is to blame for Gaza crisis. The Palestinian Authority blamed Israel for an energy crisis in Gaza because they won't pay their bills after Israel acceded to a request by Palestinian President Abbas to slash the amount of power it transfers to the beleaguered strip and defended the move by saying the matter was an internal Palestinian rift, which it is. But as soon as they made this decision, all of a sudden it's Israel's fault. Blame Netanyahu, okay, from the tower. With shutdown of power plant, Hamas again prioritizes tunnels and rockets over Gazan lives. This is a commentary from the United States. Hamas spends all of its money on 
digging tunnels, building bombs, importing weapons. Okay, Gaza's sole power plant shut down for lack of funds, leaving the nearly 2 million residents of the Strip with only four hours of electricity per day. The manufactured crisis, which it is a manufactured crisis, is just another example of how Hamas remains the cynical organization that exploits the distress of Gaza's residents for political gain. The same rationale also serves as Hamas's incentive behind stealing food shipments into the Strip and diverting fuel from hospital generators. The more misery, the better. The bitterness and poverty of Gaza's residents is the bloodline of Hamas. Now, let me read that again. The bitterness and poverty of Gaza's residents is the bloodline of Hamas. You have these people, you tell them a lie that it's all Israel's fault, and when it's their fault, and they know it is, but they tell them that it's Israel's fault, and they say, you need to be martyrs to kill Jews because of this. Everything is being orchestrated against Israel. It goes on. It is the fertile ground on which its extremist ideology flourishes and from which it recruits its fighters. Hamas could pay for enough electricity to ease the suffering of its people and prevent a deepening of the humanitarian crisis. Now, I want you to know, I got an email from Sergio this morning. It's 105 degrees in Nazareth this morning. These people in Gaza have 105 degrees and they have no power, no electricity, and they're doing this on purpose to incite people to rise up against Israel. That's the entire premise of this. Hamas raises $28 million every month in taxes, a significant amount of which they use to pay their members. But a large portion is diverted to pay for the terrorist organization's military purposes. Estimates suggest that Hamas is spending $130 million a year on its military infrastructure and preparations for war, including terror tunnels and rockets. Okay, instead of taking care of their people, they're doing this. And then it all becomes Israel's fault. Israel's fault. Go and kill the Jew. From the tower again. Netanyahu, Gaza energy shortage fueled by an internal Fakistinian argument. Israel's prime minister reassured the public that Israel is not looking for a military confrontation over Gaza, despite the ongoing dispute over the supply of energy in the Gaza Strip. Netanyahu sought to clarify Israel's position two days after the security cabinet took the decision to limit the supply of electricity to Gaza at the request of the Fakistinian Authority. They requested it. As soon as they did it, they blamed them. So Netanyahu said that the issue of electricity in Gaza is subject to a disagreement between the Fakistinian Authority and Hamas. Hamas is demanding that the Fakistinian Authority pay for the electricity, and the Fakistinian Authority is refusing to do so. This is, as he says, an internal Fakistinian argument. And it, the world will never see it that way. They will never see it that way, but this is what they're doing. They're, they're playing these people, these people that are suffering in this misery in the Gaza Strip, in order to incite them and to recruit them and to kill the Jew. From the Jerusalem Post, Egypt after cutting off the power, sends fuel to alleviate Gaza power crisis as Hamas links thaw. Egypt sent fuel to the Gaza Strip's only power plant to alleviate an energy crisis that has left the Fakistinians enclave two million people with less than three hours of electricity per day. The delivery, a sign of improved relations between Hamas and Egypt after years of friction, was the first official import of Egyptian diesel to Gaza since Hamas took over the enclave in 2007 and could provide seven hours of fuel and it could provide seven hours of power 
for three days. It's not very much. It's They just drove in the, the diesel and said, here, this is for you. Fuel from Egypt used to be smuggled through tunnels, many of them now destroyed by Cairo, which said that they were conduits for weapons and militants battling Egyptian forces in the neighboring Sinai Peninsula, an allegation denied by Hamas. Well, we know it's true. They were down there doing that. They filled in all of those tunnels. They flooded them with seawater, etc. But they are now sending a little bit of fuel in. It's not enough to help in any way, shape, or form. From the Times of Israel, Energy Minister... Israel should restore full power to Gaza. This is what the energy minister in Israel is recommending they do. Now, this is a bad move, too. It doesn't matter which way they go with this. They will be the losers. If they don't give them power, they will be blamed. If they do give them power, their own people are going to suffer because of it. Anyway, Israel should restore full power supply to the Gaza Strip and not allow policy to be dictated by the Palestinian leadership. Energy Minister Yuval Steinitz said. Steinitz opposed the recent decision to cut electricity to the Strip at the request of the Palestinian Authority, President Abbas. We know Abu Mazen is trying to manipulate us. Abu Mazen is Abbas. It's just another name for him. Okay, We shouldn't be giving him a hand, Steinitz said. It is unacceptable for him to be determining our actions. We do not want a humanitarian disaster in Gaza. He said, we need to find a solution to this problem and not allow Abu Mazen to strand us with an unwanted pregnancy. We will find ways to prevent a humanitarian disaster. We need to give Gaza 24 hours of electricity despite the conflict. It's, it's robbery. It's just robbery is all it is. And they know that either way, Israel is going to be the loser in this. Finally, from the Times of Israel, at the Security Council, this is the world's perception of what's going on with Israel and Gaza from moment to moment. At the Security Council, diplomat cites Gazan who likened the Strip to a concentration camp. During a briefing with the UN Security Council, a senior Algerian diplomat said too little had been done by the international community to bring about the establishment of a viable Palestinian state and lamented Palestinian suffering under years of Israeli rule, going so far as to quote a Palestinian who likened the Gaza Strip to a concentration camp. It's all Israel's fault, never mind that they have spent all of their money, meaning Hamas, on weapons, on tunnels, on funding people that have blown up Jews. The entire thing is so perverse, and yet you see this right here. If it doesn't get corrected, this summer is long, it's hot, and it is going to cause problems for Israel, and the world is going to see this. Israel is the one that's going to get the blame, regardless of what happens. So it's a very important issue, which has been almost entirely neglected in the world today. And yet, I don't understand why this is not the highlight of every major news service that Israel is doing its job, it's trying its best, and it's caught in the middle of this. The fruits of fake news. That's right, the fruits of fake news. All right, from uh, Christian Category today, I got an email from Pastor Compton, who's in the Philippines. I made an appeal last week. He sent me an email, and I want to read that to you. I also want you to know that the girl who I talked about in India with the broken arm All of her bills have been paid at this time. One person stepped up and he paid everything. Other people sent in money as well. And um, so there should be a buffer there. There may be more bills for her. Um, I I don't know what the situation will be. Other people have sent money in since then, and they've said, 
Some of them have said divert it to Pastor Compton. Some of them have said um, I'd like it to still be sent to her just in case she needs it. If not, Pastor Eddie can use it. But I want to thank everybody that, you know, we've got a church today. we got about 10 people in here. And we're in Sarasota, Florida, and people from all around the world have been willing to send money. I mean, people from Europe sent money, people from all, all over the place in order to help people they don't know that uh, there were uh, was a need and they were willing to step forward and take care of that need. And I'm so, so grateful for that. So thank you to everybody who's done that. And while I'm giving thanks, I want to thank everybody that has supported the Superior Word over these years. Because without an online audience, we would not be here. I still have four part-time jobs that I t- do every single day of my life. I lost one of them uh, a day ago uh, on the 1st of July after 15 years of taking care of a place. Um, the gentleman, 91 years old, said, I just need to sell the house. And so he did, and it closed on the 1st of July, actually a day early. But um, I want to thank everybody that helps out this ministry. It, 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 you just cannot know how appreciated it is in my heart and in my prayers, thanking the Lord for, for people that help us out. And um, anyway, let me read you Pastor Compton's uh, email. He said, amazing grace in all large letters. Charlie, just checked our PayPal account. $2,500 received beyond our wildest expectations, above and beyond that which we can ask or think. We will issue receipts and grateful thanks and advice with pictures in due course. Shalom, he says. And then he sent another quick one. Hi, Charlie. We have just ordered 50 mosquito-proof hammocks. These are for the Marines that are fighting the Islamic insurgents in the Philippines. They got 50 mosquito-proof hammocks, 1,000 Psalm 91 laminated prayer cards, and 600 Bibles we will be distributing next week. Bless you, my brother. If I could reach out and hug you, I would. Well, he did because I've got goosebumps all over me right now. There are now 71 Marines who have paid the ultimate price of their lives, 300 ISIS terrorists killed, and stories of atrocities committed by them, beheadings, lootings, rape, and torture, the religion of peace, he says. But they're still reaching out to Muslims as well. So I want you to know that if you gave to that person, he is hugely thankful, and he is using this money for a very, very good cause. I'm just so thankful to all of you. Thank you. From Breitbart today. Uh, this is from back on 6-11. In major smackdown, I'm, I'm bringing this in for a reason now at this point, okay? In a major smackdown, Dope Francis threatens renegade African priests demanding total obedience. Now, I saw nothing further on this, and so I, I've decided to go ahead and report on it, and then I'll tie it in with something else. But in what is perhaps the most strongly worded address of the Francis Pontificate, the dope blasted a group of Nigerian priests who have rejected the papal appointment of their bishop to the Diocese of Ahira, comparing them to murderous tenants spoken of by Jesus in the gospel. The dope goes on to describe the priest's offense against the church as a mortal sin, demanding that each one write a personal letter of apology manifesting total obedience to the dope. This act of rebellion goes beyond tribalism, Francis said, and is rather an attempted taking of the vineyard of the Lord. This guy is this guy is insane. Now Dope Francis has issued an ultimatum to the priests of the Diocese of Ahira, giving them 30 days to write a letter promising absolute obedience to him, along with the acceptance of their appointed bishop. Priests who do not write a personal letter imploring the Dope's forgiveness will be suspended from the priesthood. Okay? Suspended from the priesthood. Now, my thought on that is, 
Why hasn't he done this with all of the thousands of pervert priests and bishops? Why didn't he say, if you don't do an apology and retract everything that you've done in the past, you are suspended from the priesthood? You see that there is an agenda within the Vatican to promote perversion. And when it comes to somebody saying, I don't like the bishop that you've appointed over us, that suddenly becomes unacceptable. They're not allowed to voice their their opinions. So this man is literally, I believe he's insane. I think he's he's absolutely insane. If he uh, is around long enough, he will be the uh, false prophet of Revelation or somebody that follows after him because he's appointing people in positions. He's solidifying this communist agenda that he has in his head. But I I just want to know why he can make this type of a demand on people and not do the same thing for all of the other issues which are completely contrary to sound theology in the Roman Catholic Church. From the Catholic Herald, Philosopher who backs legal abortion is appointed to the Vatican Pro-Life Academy. What? Yeah, makes good sense. <laughs> the next week, another one. Life site. Vatican under fire for appointing two abortion activists to the Pro-Life Academy. Oh, Absolutely crazy. crazy. And then from uh, Christian News, this is a little different. It says, lesbian woman creates LGBT Bible app to promote inclusivity within the church. A lesbian woman who is frustrated by the lack of homosexual-friendly material available in Christian bookstores has created what she describes as the first LGBT Bible app, featuring resources that celebrate homosexuality and do not condone same-sexual behavior as being sinful. This app is for people who identify as spiritual but not religious. Progressive Christians who have had premarital sex and don't care and who are frustrated with purity culture. She says, I'm black, I'm a lesbian, and I'm tired of feeling like my faith doesn't matter. Well, I can tell you it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. The Lord wants nothing to do with it. Our app supports the belief that spirituality is a spectrum, that faith is a journey. It outlines At its core, the holy text was written to be inclusive of all of God's creation, especially those on the margins. She's going to find out that she's just building diving boards because she has no place, no place in the kingdom of heaven. These perverts have absolutely no fear of God. No fear of God at all. Zero. There is none. All right, from Islam today, from Breitbart, Ramadan Rage 2017. Okay, Ramadan is over. What's the tally? Deaths reach 1,627. Marking one of the bloodiest Islamic unholy months in recent memory at the end of Ramadan, the total number of casualties across the world for the entire unholy month had reached 3,451. 1,627 of them were murders and 1,824 injuries, more than tripling the 421 deaths and 729 injuries that took place just last year. So we see the religion of peace is doing its job. From Breitbart, DHS John Kelly defends, disinvites Islamic groups favored by Obama. Good job. Admin officials have eliminated 2016 plans to fund Islamic groups allied to former President Obama and declined to schedule a 2017 Islamic iftar dinner where those groups were able to show their political influence to the ambassadors of wealthy Islamic countries. I'm so proud of these people. The turnaround was made public when the DHS announced a revised list of the organizations which are getting DHS funds to help prevent young Muslims from becoming jihadis. The new list replaced an Obama list announced in January of 2017, and it dropped an $800,000 grant for an Islamic seminary in Los Angeles and a $393,000 grant for a linked organization. 
The DHS will award 26 grants totaling $10 million for two years of programming to organizations that will work to improve the security of our communities and prevent terrorism. Grantees were selected in part because of their potential to support law enforcement and other frontline defenders to demonstrate programmatic effectiveness and to use taxpayer resources efficiently to create independently sustainable programs. Grants were approved for local law enforcement agencies, state and local government agencies, universities, and nonprofit organizations. The funding cutoff came one day before the final day of the 2017 Ramadan season. In prior years, Obama invited Muslim ambassadors and U.S. Muslim allies to share a fast-breaking iftar dinner at the White House. At Obama's final 2016 iftar, the attendees chanted, Four more years, four more years didn't happen, did it? Trump's officials did not explain why President Trump chose to not hold an iftar dinner this year. Well, I can tell you, he's not a Muslim. That's why, because he's not a Muslim. From Mail Online, this one just gets you right here, right here. Canadian Special Forces sniper kills an ISIS fighter from two miles away in the longest confirmed kill shot in history. Imagine that, a Canadian, two miles away. The hand of God. The hand of God. Bullet was fired from a McMillan TAC-50 rifle set up on a high-rise tower in Iraq. The sniper disrupted an ISIS fighter who was attacking a group of Iraqi soldiers. It smashes the record set by a British soldier, Craig Harrison, who hit a target at 1.54 miles. So he's a half mile more than the previous longest hit in the world. Can you imagine that? Everything comes into play when you make a shot like that. Everything. Mongolia this week. From the Times of Israel, Mongolia to hold its first presidential runoff on July 9th. This coming week. Yep. Mongolia will hold its first ever presidential runoff vote on July 9th after none of the three candidates secured an absolute majority in an election marred by sabotage attempt. The result, it sounds just like America when I read it. Think of, think of the U.S. The result of the vote was put off by several hours, angering supporters of the losing candidate who protested the delay as suspicious. The drama capped a campaign marked by corruption scandals plaguing all three candidates that overshadowed voter concerns over unemployment in the debt-laden country wedged between Russia and China. Members of the MPRP held a protest at the General Election Committee office They said the head of the uh, electoral body, he defended the delay in announcing the result, saying someone had broken a broadband cable in Gobi Altai province, preventing the results from several polling stations to be counted until Tuesday morning. He said it was an act of deliberate sabotage. A senior MPRP official told reporters hours before the results were announced, we believe they are changing the results. So it sounds like the Democrat Party of the United States over there. Anyway, Daniel 12 technology. Uh, Let's see here. I had three articles. I got rid of two of them and added the last one in for you because it's um, this week in uh, U.S. history. But uh, first from Mail Online, a matter of life or death. Anybody here got a pacemaker? I know we have at least one in the place. Okay, I did a pacemaker one last week. Not to be outdone, they've uh, come up with uh, something even worse. Countless lives are at risk after cybersecurity experts warn that pacemakers are vulnerable to hacking. Can you imagine that? Uh, 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 uh. 
More than 8,000 bugs are discovered in code inside pacemakers. Globally, 3 million patients have pacemakers which keep their hearts pumping. A staggering 83% of makers admit the range of medical gadgets is not fully secure. 83% of them are not secure. Just one in 20 health organizations test security of equipment annually. So you can be hacked in your pacemaker. That is a scary prospect right there. Okay, uh, to replace two articles of great interest, but which can wait for another week, from KCBD, Texas Tech researchers printing safer fireworks. They're 3D printing fireworks now. And the reason why I bring that up is because obviously it's the 4th of July this week. And uh, while I'm mentioning that, I'd like to uh, read you something because uh, it is the 4th of July week. I was asked to go down to the um, uh, Sarasota Patriots yesterday and do the invocation. And when I went down, I wore my, this is from 2001, right after September, September 11, 2001, Old Navy printed up all of these shirts, and I wear it once a year uh, for my 4th of July memorial, and I put on the bandana. Well, twice a year, that's right, because I wore it yesterday, and I took it home and washed it because it was really hot out there. But uh, is Old Navy still in business? Yeah. They are. Okay, well, then maybe they still have these. I don't know, but this one is actually 16 years old. But I wanted to read you that invocation just so that we can uh, remember our, uh, our country and pray for it. July 1st, 2017, a petition to the Lord of heaven and earth. Gracious, merciful, and all-powerful God, on this day when we have come to celebrate and remember the founding of this great nation, it is our desire to do so with the highest of thanks and praise to you. We thank you and we praise you for having established us. We thank you and we praise you for having protected us. We thank you and we praise you for having prospered us. And Lord God, we would be more than remiss if we did not thank you and praise you for your incredible hand of mercy upon us. Throughout our history, we have been a people filled with error and stubborn rebellion. In that state, you have brought us through the fire of affliction and refinement several times. And as each came to pass, we turned to you and found mercy. But as the fallen people that we are, we have been quick to turn once again down wayward paths. We have trod upon such a path of late, have we not? And yet you gave us a new direction to follow this past year. You have given us a new president who will hopefully exalt you, be strong in his moral convictions, and seek the favorable winds of righteousness as he steers this ship according to the wisdom we pray you will endow him with. Be with President Trump. Stand as a bulwark between him and the many foes who intend him harm and grant him victory in the pursuit of restoring the values of our founders to this divided land. Be with our Congress, O Lord, and grant them the ability to undo the wicked laws which have been enacted of late and to restore power to the people who will pursue you first and foremost. And as far as our judges, silence those who are contrary to sound moral principles and open the treasury of judicial power to those who would restore common decency and goodness to our legal system. Because of the granting of your Son, we exercise our right to come before your exalted throne and there to humbly ask you for these things. We do thank you, we do praise you, and we do so petition you this day in the perfect, peaceful, and eternally glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we pray. Amen. Okay, fireworks. A firework technology continues to advance. 
A group of researchers at Texas Tech is working to create safer fireworks that still have the wow factor that people want to see. Just imagine you programming into a 3D printer to print 1,000 of these cherry bombs, for example, and then you can step away and the whole thing gets done for you, says Dr. Michelle Pantoya. Pantoya says being able to 3D print fireworks is a much more cost-effective way to process them. It's a lot more efficient to prescribe shape charges in 3D printable matrix and to produce them faster and more economically than, again, physically mixing powders and trying to create a shape charge that way. It's not just about efficiency, but creating a product that they can ensure will be safe. The process is called additive manufacturing, printing a material layer by layer to create a 3D structure. Rather than workers handling the components themselves, the printer takes care of it in a controlled and consistent way. The number one cause of accidents at firework plants is electrostatic discharge ignition, which is just the spark from static electricity that could go on to ignite powder, a powder mixture. So having the formulation in a binder protects it. And because processing using additive manufacturing requires a binder as part of the processing, then it inherently makes the whole formulation safer. So I thought that was very interesting. It's technology that we can use on the 4th of July. And a particular reason why I think that's important is because I lived in Malaysia for three years. I worked out at the airport, all right? And uh, when I was at the airport one day, there was a rattling in the building. All of the ceiling tiles lifted up. And we thought, what was that? And then we heard the biggest noise you've ever imagined. There was just, a, 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 it was a huge explosion. We walk outside, and there was literally a mushroom cloud, just like a nuclear detonation, over a, a town away in a place called Sungai Below, which in itself is kind of comical because I said to my uh, maid when I came home that day, I said, Sungai Below went below, and she, she got it. She actually got it. Anyway, there, uh, it, it, what happened is it was, it was so big that we have all of the hangars were facing the direction of the concussion, and there's these giant doors that let the uh, planes come in, and in the back there's one little door that you walk in and out of, and it hit those things, and those buildings almost collapsed, and this was miles away, miles away. Anyway, like 150 people died that day. It was a fireworks place, just like they're talking about, safety. And I got to tell you what, all these people died. They were finding bodies weeks later. One poor guy was about a mile away riding on his motorbike, and a part of a building landed on him and killed him. So you never know. I got to tell you, we'll stop right there, and I'll just tell you that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know your, your final moment. I got to tell you, if you like to watch Prophecy Updates and you're not a saved person, you ought to think about getting that corrected. It is a gift of God. A gift is something you can't earn. It is a gift of grace. It is something that all you need to do is say, I understand I'm going to die. I can't save myself, and I want to be reconciled to you, oh God. And he will do it through the blood of his son, Jesus. That's why he sent Christ, is to die on the cross for our sins. So please, if you've never, never called on Jesus Christ, do it today. That poor guy, he's off in eternity, driving down the road on his motorbike, never expecting that. Wow. Anyway, Revelation plagues today from the Miami Herald. Highly contagious citrus disease, which we've had in Florida for some years now, is now in Alabama. The State Department of Agriculture and Industry says in a news release that federal and state plan officials confirm that citrus greening was found in leaf and insect samples at a home in Dauphin Island. 
They've uh, been checking regularly for the bacteria since it has devastated the crop in neighboring Florida, as we all know, over the past decade. There is no cure. Infected trees are destroyed to keep it from spreading. If you have an orange tree on your property, you know that if you get this, they're going to just come and cut it down. They don't ask. They walk onto your property and they cut. So um, it keeps it from spreading. Fruit from the infected trees is safe to eat, but unsightly lesions make it hard to sell. Infected trees eventually stop producing fruit and eventually die within five years. Now think of this. This is going up to the northern citrus now. Eventually, it's going to spread around the world and there will be no citrus in, just in time for the tribulation period, right? You think of it. Everything, everything is leading to an end here. Citrus greening has been in Asia. It's been in Africa for decades. It was detected in Brazil in 2004 and Florida in 2005. The world of citrus is winding down. It's one, one more thing that they will not be used to eat for you know health reasons, etc. during the tribulation period. From Fox 5, ticks on the rise across New England. We knew this was coming. I've done a couple reports on it. Residents in Maine are complaining that they are finding as many as 30 ticks at a time on their clothes. And public health officials in Vermont are reporting an above average rate of emergency room visits for tick bites in the last three weeks. With the explosion in tick numbers in the past decade, there's been a dramatic increase in tick-related diseases. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the number of Lyme disease cases has tripled to about 30,000 cases nationally, nationwide annually. Cases of anaplasmosis, which can cause fever, headache, chills, and muscle aches, have also risen steadily. So we're heading into a world with all kinds of problems. When the ball drops, there won't be medicine for these people. They're all going to be punching their tickets because it's not fatal if you have the right medicines. I do believe that some of these are if you don't. So we're coming into the the end of days. For morality today, Times of Israel, Germany votes to void thousands of post-Nazi convictions of gay men. Now, I've brought this up before. You have people that were convicted of a crime in the past, and they go and they, they, they say, well, that is no longer a conviction. One, the people, almost all of them are dead. And two, you are taking laws. In other words, you can do just the opposite. You can take things that were legal in the past, and you can say that's illegal. By setting this precedent, you can do all kinds of things that you should not be doing with the law. We've done it in the U.S. over certain things. They're doing it in Germany. Germany's parliament voted to quash the convictions of 50,000 gay men sentenced for homosexuality under a Nazi-era law, which remained in force after the war, and offer them compensation. All right. After decades of lobbying, victims and activists hailed a triumph in the struggle to clear the names of gay men who lived with a criminal record under Article 175 of the Penal Code. An estimated 5,000 of those found guilty under the statute are still alive. It offers gay men convicted under the law a lump sum of 3,000 euros, as well as an additional 1,500 euros for each year they spent in prison. They were guilty. They committed a crime under the laws of that land, and now they're being rewarded for it. And this is, this is starting to happen around the world. We're seeing these type of things. It is bad policy. From Mail Online. California bans state-funded travel to eight states in protest at anti-LGBT laws, allowing those with religious objections to stop gays adopting or joining student societies. 
Okay, California says we disagree with your law. We're not letting anybody in our state that is a, a employee of our state go to your state for any reason, even if there's a need for it. Okay, this has become a world that is so divided. Well, we don't like that you have this, and we don't like, and we're not going to send you for this and that. It is insane. That state has a. It's like saying you have no right to exercise your own laws in your state. It's very bad policy. It's typical liberal stuff. State employee travel restricted to Texas, Alabama, South Dakota, and Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee blacklisted earlier this year was a response to laws seen as hostile to gay, bisexual, and transgender people. It's a who gets hurt? Who gets what? Yeah, who gets hurt? They do. That's right. That's exactly right. From CBN. Trump administration rejects U.N. call for abortion, saying abortion is not family planning. Good job. The U.S. rejected part of a U.N. resolution designed to help female victims of violence around the world. The U.S. representative there, Jason Mack, voiced strong support for the overall spirit of the resolution, telling the council the U.S. fully supports the principle of voluntary choice regarding maternal and child health and family planning, Mack said, but... We do not recognize abortion as a method of family planning, nor do we support abortion in our reproductive health assistance. Finally, we have a voice of reason coming out of Washington, D.C. From our other category, from Science Times, we did the uh, buttercup last week. I got something new for you. The Amazonian frog can glow in the dark. It's the only known naturally fluorescent amphibian. They just discovered this fellow. Yep, researchers have found a new species of frog that can illuminate itself. The green-colored polka dot frog was found at an Amazon basin near Argentina. This frog glows with neon green lights when they were exposed to UV light. Very interesting. From Breitbart, this is all on the same uh, train of thought here, and uh, I just kind of give you an idea of how things are going with places like Seattle. Um, Breitbart, minimum wage killing San Diego's restaurants. They raised the minimum wage. Their restaurants are dying in San Diego. Breitbart, Harvard Research, minimum wage hikes put non-elite restaurants out of business. So all you'll have is high-end restaurants pretty soon. Zero Hedge, McDonald's is replacing 2,500 human cashiers with digital kiosks. Raise the rates, can't afford it, we get digital. Okay, Zero Hedge. Philly beverage tax blowback. Coca-Cola sales plunge 32%. A month after PepsiCo said it would lay off 80 to 100 people due to unintended consequences of Philadelphia's new soda tax, Philly Coke, the local Coca-Cola bottler, has cut 40 jobs amid 32% plunge in sales. We're going to tax the sugary drinks, and all of a sudden, they can't function anymore. All right, next one. Let's see here. Zero head. Seattle follows San Francisco, Philadelphia in passing job-killing soda tax. So it didn't work there. Now we're going to do it. (laughs) Following in the footsteps of Boulder, Philadelphia, Oakland, and San Francisco, Seattle has approved its own version of a job-killing soda tax. Hey, it didn't work there. We'll make it work. From Fox, Seattle's minimum wage hike hurting low-level workers, study says. Seattle's first in the nation $15 an hour minimum wage law is hurting the workers it aimed to help. A new study has found the working poor are making more per hour, 
but taking less home pay. The University of Washington paper asserts the new wages boosted worker pay by 3%, but also resulted in a 9% reduction in hours and a $125 cut to the monthly paychecks. The law also cost the city 5,000 jobs. You raise the minimum wage and we can no longer pay it. We can't get rid of you, so we'll just cut your hours. And now they're getting less to take home than they had before. Liberals from Zero Hedge. Fake research. Seattle mayor knew critical minimum wage study was coming, so he called Berkeley economists. I won't read you the article, but he had them fudge the numbers because the state of Washington, had they'd already paid for one out of the state of Washington. They came up with their conclusion He knew about it in advance, and so what did they do? He went down to Berkeley and said, we need a really quick study to prove that this is going to work. He lied to his own people. All right, Mail Online. I am sure it's supported by ISIS. Manhattan District Attorney slams dangerous Republican bill that plays into the hand of terrorists by allowing licensed firearm holders from other states to carry their guns in New York. This is in the House right now. They want a, if you have a uh, concealed weapons permit, they want it to be all over the United States. Every state that has that, you can carry your gun without asking that state. And they are complaining about this in New York, saying that it is going to fund ISIS and that it's an ISIS-like move. They're insane. Listen to what he says. Vance said that the bill, which is before Congress, would be dangerous. New York has stricter gun laws than other states, but this legislation would allow anyone with a license from another state to carry concealed weapons in New York, too. Well, guess what? ISIS, their guns are illegal, and you're not going to stop them one way or another. They, they are typical liberals that are not thinking life through. ISIS is paying close attention to this bill, telling supporters how they can easily obtain guns by going to states with no permitting requirements, he said. Two million more loaded guns could come to the city annually if the bill passes, he said. It's not going to make one gun of difference. If they want to get guns somewhere and take them into New York, they're going to do it anyway. This is only for concealed permits. These people are insane. From The Guardian, three-quarters of the world has little or no confidence in Trump. The Pew study finds we must be doing something right. Three-quarters of the world has no confidence in Donald Trump. That means that we are doing exactly what we should be doing. It's a poll. Exa- yeah, it's a poll. And I, let me tell you, what, Paul's, uh, what Bob said at the beginning of our church service today is absolutely right. America is the obstacle to globalization. We had a president that was all in for it, but we are the obstacle. And that is why the world wants to destroy us, is because we believe in the individual. We believe in power to the people. We do not believe in globalism except on the left in this country. And you wonder why we're so divided is because Satan needs to have the United States of America out of the picture in order to fulfill his globalist agenda. It is entirely, entirely the work of the devil, which is going on with globalists like George Soros and all of these people that are funding this this globalization. And if it wasn't for the United States, Israel would be wiped out today. They need us right now. There's a time when they won't, but it is coming soon where America is going to go through great, great troubles because of the world coming against them. And it'll be hopefully, well, pre-tribulation rapture is what we believe here. It'll be after the rapture, but the fall of America will hopefully happen after we are raptured or maybe in, in conjunction with it. But America is the obstacle. 
then once we're gone, it's going to be all people that want this globalist stuff. So maybe it won't matter anymore anyway. They'll be happy and they'll have their little party. Whatever is coming, I, I am so thankful that we know Jesus Christ and we have a hope to get out of this place before that happens. All right, to got a uh, lesseric for you here. When ISIS was out to do ill, a sniper took aim from a hill. The shot did the deed from two miles at speed, a world record for making a kill. Good job. And I think that was his wife that did that one. If not, I'm sorry, Les, but I think it was his wife that did that one. It was very good. Just exciting. All right. Our irony of the week. Let's see your mail online. ISIS suicide bomber accidentally kills 12 comrades when his belt explodes while they wished him good luck as he prepared to carry out an Iraq attack. So a little ironic there. And then from the Albuquerque Journal, this happened last week, TV news crew's truck was stolen while reporting on downtown Albuquerque crime. (laughs) Yeah. So such is the world we live in. And so from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia and Abbotsbury, Australia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.